listeners. Welcome to the Dream Stream. I am your host, Yiska Cook. So I'm starting with continuity to tie up some loose ends. And I just want to say in the last episode, which I believe was episode 36, I very much disagree with what I said about uh, following the Grateful Dead in my younger years. And I was saying it was hedonistic, but actually I disagree with that. It was through community and really exploring what matters and what's important in life that I decided to join the peace movement. And so all of it, all of it uh, ties together. The other thing is I was talking about um, Tongor Park and I want to say yes, that was the Esopus River. And the third thing is I was wondering what is the name of a trading company because I was going to get a dragon to honor a dream and I realized it's called the Dharma Trading Company, but I can't find a dragon (laughs) in that. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Episode 36, man. Or 35. I think it's 35, actually. I'll have to go listen. So our friend Brendan Merritt is here with us today, and we are going to do some dream work. Hello, interwebs. Hey, Brendan. What's the good word? Uh, Oh, anti-disestablishmentarian. Yeah, that's a good word. word. That really is. (laughs) Yeah, so you had... You had uh, said a couple of different possibilities that we could do our animal totem dreams and talk about also what animals mean to various cultures and how there's an overlay of talking animals from different mythologies. Um, and then I think you were also talking about your New Year's dream or... Well, actually not New Year's. I don't, I don't personally... Um take a whole lot of stock in the calendar year being a marker. Um, You know, for me, the year changes either like right around my birthday or um, right around Halloween, which was the Celtic New Year. Yes. So, you know, people have different markers. Obviously, Chinese New Year is about to come up too. Right, yes. So that's a lunar calendar. Right. And that will be, I think, the weekend of the 24th of January. Okay. And, of Um, course, the... Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year is in yep. September, yep. mid-September-ish. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, the talking animal bit, um, Jessica had mentioned, you know, when we were talking about what we were going to discuss today was uh, the idea of spirit animals, and it got me thinking because recently I had a whole bunch of things pop for me, and one of them was sort of like... A brief dream um, which had to do with the theme of talking animals and um, was telling her it was partially inspired by an episode of a television show called The Magicians where you know the main characters are in this very Narnia like world and they hold an election and basically one of the main characters gets elected as High King actually a woman but they're running the election for High King, and the woman gets elected because she has befriended a talking bear who is, you know, at a animal tavern, um, you know, having a drink. And she ends up in this whole discussion about interspecies relationships, so on and so forth. But because she does this, she ends up getting the minority vote, which is actually the numerical majority well of this is bernie sanders strategy animals yeah. is, you know en- enlist many young never before voters yeah. and then you can have a, co- a coalition of and a majority <laughs> so i think i went to sleep after seeing that with you know the idea of talking animals being important and um you know dream world animals show up a lot you know jessica had mentioned the idea of spirit animals uh, we had a brief discussion earlier about, you know, whether or not that's cultural appropriation or not to use that term. You know, people throw around the word power animal, spirit animal, animal totem a lot who are not part of indigenous cultures that have that as part of their tradition. Mm. But we all have 
animals coming to us in our dream life. And they're a common theme in world mythologies all over the place. Yes. And there's yes. a lot of overlap between the dream world and the mythological world. Absolutely. Our good friend, Dr. Stephen Larson. Yes. Always like to point out. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So that was one thing we could talk about. Um, yeah. And a couple other big dreams that, you know, could be interesting to go into as well. All right. Well, well, I'll leave it to you, Brendan. I mean, I can always talk about the animals, but it doesn't have to be right now. We can explore that another time. But I'd love to hear what's happening in your dream life right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. There were two dreams. I mean, in addition, the animal piece was kind of interesting, though, because it was not even really a full dream. But I think I kind of like was in one of those liminal spaces um, where you're kind of between dream and waking. Yeah. And hypnagogic. Huh? We call that. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast, calling it the hypnagogic realm between sleeping and waking. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so those interstitial spaces where you're between one state of consciousness and the other, I mean, for me, they're always really powerful. Um, yes. Mostly because you're able to let your logical mind go and your subconscious will start presenting things to you um, even prior to being in a full waking uh, dream state. Yes. And I was thinking about the significance of talking animals and... I think I kind of went into this half um, dream state where I was like in a wooded area and I was like probably in a like forest clearing and I became consciously aware that the perimeter, the forested edge was peopled by animals. Talking animals. Yep. Sentient animals. Awesome. <laughs> And they were like, it was almost like there was some sort of convergence going on. Like they were there to have, for lack of a better word, a animal moot or something okay, like that. Okay, yeah, like an ant moot. Yeah, like an ant moot, but with animals. <laughs> uh -huh. I guess the tr talking plants and trees are it's kind part of a common, of that. a common, you know, magical theme from yeah. mythology of many peoples. I was telling Brendan about, uh, the Bremen Town Musicians, which possibly is a Yiddish folk folk tale, and it's about uh, a donkey and a dog and a cat or whatever the animals are in the story that you can bring together, and um, and how they all learn how to play instruments to make some money, and then they take over uh, a little hut where some robbers live, and they scare the robbers into running away so that's our european that's my european mythology yeah and i was you know thinking about you know in so many different you know proto-european inter-european uh based mythologies there are deities that have animal identities or animals that they're identified with you've got you know odin and his ravens and his wolves Artemis and the bears. Oh. Apollo is associated with, I think, um, serpents to a way, but he Oh, is, I'm not sure. Know, uh -huh. you know, the is that Mercury, uh, Apollo? Is that Mercury? Ah, uh, no, Mercury is the underworld. Um, he's kind of a psychopomp. He travels between okay. the upper realms and the lower realms. Okay. I don't think that there's an animal association with him per se. Okay. But, you know, I think, you know, Zeus gets associated with eagles. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and in Celtic tradition, um, you've got even heroes who are associated with animals, like Cuhulin is uh, named after a dog, you know, basically. Okay. He's the hound of Hulin. Um, okay. That's what his name actually means. Huh. So, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's so interwoven in our cultures yeah yeah so i mean even if you talk about you know the idea of cultural appropriation is you know somebody who doesn't have a direct connection with uh, a tradition that 
honors the idea of spirit animals, we still have it in our blood and in our ancestry and our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and it manifests itself in the dream world a lot. Yes, yes. What are some common dream uh, animal visitors that come in your dreams? Um, that's interesting. Um, I want to say actually for actual dreams, I've had more encounters with cats. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm a cat person, but I'm also a dog person, but it's funny. I, I can definitely recall that I have had over the years, a number of dreams in which cats end up being somehow prominent. Yes. Um, and I can remember a lot of the traditional interpretations of cats is that there's some association with sexuality. Yeah, femininity. Yeah. And um, also Egypt, Egyptian, you know, the way to really uh, revere the cat. Yeah, I mean, there's two deities in Egyptian mythology that are usually associated with cats. Um, you know, you've got Bastet, okay. who is more like the Egyptian version of Venus, which is where you get that fertility piece um and then there's sek seket or sekmet who's a lion-headed deity okay who's like a fierce almost kali-like uh persona in their mythology who i guess she can only be abated by giving her uh huge amounts of beer the egyptians used to make like this (laughs) red yeah red brewed beer which i think that there's supposed to be some kind of connection to the idea of blood okay the red represents the life again the feminine yeah yeah and Uh she's also a consort of the god horus okay some versions of the stories around her yes so there's an interesting sort of like uh you know almost tantric thing going on in their tradition. I know Lane Redmond used to talk about that a lot when oh, she did her lectures. Did she? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. She was a famous woman drummer, frame drummer. Yes. Who kind of like tried, tied uh, the older traditions of drumming back into um, goddess worship in certain cultures. Yes. Yes. So interesting. Yeah. So you dream a lot about cats. Yeah. So, yeah, they've come up a lot. Um, and I think what pops to mind is, you know, that cats are almost sort of seem like they're shape changers in some cultures. Like Europeans used to have myths about cats actually being serpents in disguise. Wow. Probably because their eyes look sort of like snakes. Yeah, and they're so slinky. And they can fit in very small places. Yeah. And it's, you know... Europeans kind of have a distrust of cats, and they were, mm. I don't think, really ever fully domesticated okay. initially. There's, uh, I know there's some villages in, I want to say in Spain and Italy, where the cats are kind of independent of the people. Yes, yes. And they're let to roam free in the yes. city streets to do mousing and, and rat fend, hunting. And fend for themselves. Yeah, but they, yeah. the people cut little holes in their doors so the cats can come and go at oh, will. Oh, really? I love it. Yeah, so they're not pets, but they're yeah. part of the life of the town. And they're kind of like, you know, guests. But yes. They're not. Yeah. So that brings me to a dream image that I have from recent days where, and again, it was like possibly the hypnagogic space that you're speaking of between sleeping and dreaming. So I can't be sure that I actually dreamed this because it seems a little unreal, but I, at the time I was pretty sure I was dreaming it, you know, and, uh, or no, I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong at the time. Okay. I may have dreamed it. But at the time, I was pretty sure it was happening, is what I'm meaning to say. So I have a big black cat named Puma, and Puma has what's considered a primordial pouch. And that's his, like, hanging belly, kind of swings left and right when he's running. Like a big dewlap. Yeah. (laughs) And they say that this is what connects him to his wild nature, and that big cats, like lions, often have that. Huh. So if they make a kill and they eat their fill, they have like an extra pouch, I'm assuming. I don't know how scientific that is. More, more stomach. To, to put the other food because you don't know the next time you're going to make a kill. Hmm. So anyway, Puma was sleeping. He was right beside me. 
and he purrs very loudly. He's like a very prominent, loud purrer, unlike his sister, who purrs very demurely. That's how I can tell them apart at night. <laughs> so um, he was purring very loudly. And then the next thing I know, he he roared. He didn't growl. I was very uh, consciously chose the word roar and not growl. Mm. He growled twice. And then he just fell asleep and was silent. So I'm not positive that that happened. It might have been a dream. But there's some cat, cat energy. Mm. So for you, I guess I'd be wondering, like, what does the primordial growl right. or roar, roar mean? Yeah. Right. Right. For I mean, me, how it, does it feel for you? It just, it felt very wild. It just felt like this, this wild nature that was connecting my domesticated house cat to his, you know, his ancestors. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I guess when I'm thinking about growls and roars, it's like, you know, even if you try, like, as a human to make that kind of noise, you have to connect to this, like, yeah. deeper part of yourself. Yes. And something that comes, like, right out of the solar plexus. Yes, absolutely. It rises right up from there. Yeah. Right. Something that connects us back to our own wild nature. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I just uh I just narrated a narrated a book on the chakras and um they talk about I think even even below the solar plexus um the you know the the, the second chakra. chakra no one above Oh, okay. that um that um you know that's that's really connecting us with our more wild nature. Mm. Which seems obvious, right? Or mammalic, yeah, mammal well, sexual procreation. Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. And so, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big cat totem person. I love cats. I always have them in my life. But um, I think, I think I, I have charted which animals I have dreamed the most about over years. And definitely eagle is one of them and um but also so is snake interesting and it's a a very thin and a couple of times i've i've dreamed that it was sort of on my forearm or on my wrist mm. like coiled around like a thin sort of a scrawny snake like an adder like a then a little snake an adder mm -hmm. yeah so it feels like that and um and but you know nothing really. Well, what comes of it is often I get bit by the snake. Oh, that's interesting. So in a way, it's almost like a sharing of the snake medicine mm -hmm. with the dreamer. Yeah. Yeah, snakes are a big one for me. I mean, I don't. You know, I again, I hedge away from the term spirit animal yes. or you know whatever. But snakes certainly do pop for me a lot. Yes. And. Um, I actually had a powerful dream that related to snakes a long time ago, um, where in the dream, I'm in the southwest of the United States with my friend Hector. And Hecky B, if you're out there listening, shout out. Um, this is like we're in a van and we're in the southwest in the desert. And he takes me to see this medicine man who is a Native American and at the time, I had, like, a huge skepticism around, you know, white people getting involved with Native American okay. stuff. So it was kind of uncharacteristic. So he takes me to this guy, and, you know, he looks like a cigar store Indian, like, quite literally, with, like, with the bowler cap and okay. the feather in his head okay. dress. And um, he gives me a once-over, and he looks at me and goes, oh, hold on a second. He reaches his hand out. And he reaches into my chest, into my heart. Oh, my god! And pulls out a rock. <gasps> and I'm like, what the hell is that? And he's like, this is a serpent stone. And somebody has placed this in your energy body. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I woke. And at the time, this was Oh, this was a dream. Time ago. Yeah, this is a dream. Or a waking um, dream. This was a dreaming dream. Sleeping dream. Yeah. Okay. And um, I woke and I told... You know, my then partner at the time about this, and she goes, 
serpent stone. Wait a minute. I have one of those. I'm like, what? What do you mean you have one of those? And uh, she shows me this thing that's a replica of a stone carving um, from Scotland that was made by the Picts. Okay. And it's apparently like a common glyph that they find in some of these other Pictish sites. Interesting. Um, And, you know, serpents were apparently a powerful symbol to, you know, the pre-Celtic peoples in that part of the world. Yes. And, you know, when they talk about St. Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland and Scotland, Ireland doesn't actually have any snakes. Is that right? Yeah. There's (laughs) never been snakes on the island. Really? But you do find snake glyphs in that part of the world. Oh. Um, What does that mean, though, to you, that there were once serpent-like Creatures. Probably it ties to the idea that there was uh, serpent worship or okay. some honoring of the serpent energy. Okay. Um, those spiral carvings that are like at Newgrange, some people have, you know, said that that is essentially a symbolic uh, uh, serpentine earth energy. So snakes really are a lot about connection to the chthonic realm and. Okay. Earth energy in particular, usually feminine. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it appears in a lot of mythologies, and dragons yes. are really the uh, carryover of that, which is yes. kind of why I was wondering about your which was dragon bit my, that you mentioned earlier. My New Year's dream, um, I was down by a river, and I couldn't remember the name of the river, but it's the Esopus at Tongor Park in Stone okay. Ridge. And... Um, and Lev was in the water with his dad, and I was in the water further upstream, and a a sort of a dragon serpentine creature eely thing started sort of um, swirling down downstream. And for a second, I was concerned because my little boy was downstream, mm. but it really felt more celebratory than scary, and so we explored that a bit. In I believe chapter thirty-five. Cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, the water piece is interesting too because it's like in addition to being about deep earth energies, serpents and dragons are also yeah. often connected with water. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, my my guess is that it has more to do with the idea of the flow. Okay. Yes. Of the energy. I love it. And what that means, I have a friend who actually um, talked about. Uh, the dragons in the region that we live in. And when oh, she talks about wow. them, she's thinking about them as being like these elemental creatures wow. that you know, are part of the mountain energy and the kind of thing that somebody who's like a dowser yes. could pick up on. Yes, People call the ley lines uh, to dragon lines. It well. actually reminds me too of um, one of my dream teachers, Robert Moss, has retreats in the Adirondacks. And he talks about a place where dragons can be seen, or can be witnessed. Ooh. So, uh, and also something about deer's magical about property. What? A deer's magical properties in, in the Adirondacks. And so, um, yeah, I love it. I love it because I had a very strong lucid dream that I speak about on the podcast in an early episode, like episode two or something. And um, I had to slay a dragon who was rising up out of the water. And I was working on that dream with Dr. Carla Mazio, and she thought it was really funny because this association with the Loch Ness monster. Huh. You know, so I have that in my mind right now. Yeah, I mean, I once saw a water snake uh, in that body of water, but um, it was uneventful. You know, it's just kind of a cool thing to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of think like anytime you see a snake, it's eventful. Like Okay, yes. When we moved into our apartment not that long ago, um, like warmer months, obviously. Yeah. We were literally just coming out the door and Kristen like was ahead of me and did this little hop skip and like, oh. flung her leg. <laughs> and it was because a garter snake like literally like zipped up her leg oh and wrapped gosh. itself right around her leg. Oh and she my was like, gosh. what the? And like, you know, automatically knee jerk, you know, just 
tossed yeah. her leg out That's and the snake went flying. But oh. you know, hopefully, you know, he didn't really, he did not get hurt. He just no, I'm sure went away. But it was kind of startling, obviously. Sure, you know? but also what a good Powerful I would say good, symbol. but a, an omen. What a good omen for yeah. moving into a new place. We have a good friend um, who goes by Serpentessa. Yes. Who does a lot of work with snakes. Um, She's a dancer and teaches people kind of how to connect with serpent energy by allowing the snakes to curl themselves around people and impart their energy. It's kind of like a transformative ritual thing she does. Beautiful. It's also uh, very, very much like the Asclepius legend. So Asclepius was, was he... He was a doctor. He was a dreaming ceremony for healing ceremony. Yeah, I mean, it's possible he was a historical person, but he, you know, seems to be almost like a demigod, a healer demigod. Yeah. But the Asclepian mysteries are interesting. And the whole thing that interesting tie in here with the talking animal bit is that uh, Asclepius has his ears licked clean by snakes. Really? And when they do that, he can now understand the language of birds, I think, and parcel tongue. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. Right? His parcel tongue. He can speak to the snakes. Yeah. In the walls. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really that's really cool. So um, now, what do the dogs do in the myth of Asclepius? I know dogs are also connected to the ceremony. Don't know, but it, dogs are often guides. Um, you know, they're they're unlike wolves, but they're companions of men. Usually, they you know, if you look at the uh, card of I think what is it, the hermit in the okay. tarot? Yeah, and he's got a dog with him. Okay, uh huh. Um, you know, he's got his lantern and he's got his dog, and yeah. he's kind of on his journey. So. Yeah, yeah. Dog is an animal companion. Absolutely. You know, certainly, like man's best friend. Absolutely. But there's a lunar association. Even when you think about the goddess Artemis, she's a lunar goddess. She's accompanied by hunting dogs. Interesting. You know, our, our last full moon, which was just a few days ago, was uh, the the new moon. I mean, the full moon of the wolf, the wolf moon. Oh, yeah. January and, moon. You know, there was a lot of pictures of it in the gray sky. So we were calling it the gray wolf moon. Ooh. You know, it's really extraordinary. Yeah, well, so what's your, talking about cultural appropriation, what's your Chinese zodiac? I am actually a monkey. Are you? Yep, 1968. Okay, oh, okay. Neat. So I guess what I know about, I know very little about Chinese astrology, but I think, um, you know, it's obviously a generational thing, but I always tied the monkey zodiac into... uh, Stuff related to the internet. Um, oh. You know, monkeys are very good with technology and mechanical yes. things and yes. mentally active. Yes. And I think uh, the generation that I belong to, Gen X, has you know, been very uh, much connected to the uh, movement forward with those kind of communication technologies. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think because I'm also Gen X and I kind of think... All of this, uh, all of this brilliance and wisdom when it comes to technology is really Gen Y and lower. I don't, yeah. f- I don't feel like we really got that. Everything we have put in a lot of work to obtain. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, the catalysts for it, and you know, the laying down of the rails, if you would, mm. a lot of it was done by people of our generation. And I okay. think Gen Y has really taken off with yes, it. Yes, yes. I think they understand the uh, social significance of it okay. more than we do yeah. um, in that regard because they've grown up in that environment. Yes, yes, yeah, which is very different. Uh, and then, of course, the millennials. and uh, Millennials, yeah. Okay, boomer. Okay, but my little boy, my 10-year-old says that to me. I say to him, honey, I'm not a boomer. I'm not a boomer. I'm Gen X. (laughs) I'm proud of it. Yeah, I saw an interesting discussion about the use of that word or that uh, meme. Okay. And basically, you know, it's not necessarily meant to be specifically targeted at 
people from the baby boomer generation, oh, but it's rats. really meant to be like a diss to anybody who is <laughs> kind of like <laughs> acting clueless. Yeah. Um, right. You know, possibly, you know, because of their age and lack of an uh, understanding of certain <laughs> things. Yeah. But kind yeah. of like, you know, someone who's inflexible and kind of okay. like stuck in their ways. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, it's it's funny. It's funny that the kids are dissing the older generations. In a way, we deserve it. You know, in a way, we big time deserve it with what damage has been done to the earth before we bequeath it. To the next generations. Yeah, and we and we knew better. Yes, That's, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, That's this is a shame of that. Some of what I was trying to express in my continuity piece is that, though, you know, I was really interested in following the dead and going to shows, and I was considering that like a hedonistic endeavor. Really, what um, what that led to in me was sort of a a moral turpitude to fight for the environment, to be a member of, you know, the peace movement, to protest nuclear weapons testing in Nevada. You know, all, all those very active activist things that I did, really I can I can find the roots of it in in loving the music and the community of the Grateful Dead scene. You know, and Jerry was always into wasn't he into um the forests and then of course uh the dead and company were into gun violence and registering people to vote and um i think i think it is a big activist movement that comes out of out of that yeah well, i mean that's one of the legacies the boomers i think left that's a positive one yeah um, you know the environmentalist movement right and social activism right. really comes right. out of the 60s right. and the boomer generation Very my mom much. um i will say was someone who slept through the 1960s. Okay. So, like, I didn't have that influence. A lot of my peers had parents who were older hippies who okay. were actual baby boomers. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, they got some of their values from being uh, connected to that. But, you know, you know, the 70s, even the Nixon era saw, you know, the, the formation EPA. of the EPA. The EPA, yeah. I mean, how bad, how bad can you be if you're going to protect the environment? Yep, and now our president is Man. trying to dismantle all of that, oh my gosh. which is extremely unfortunate. I know, I know. So, yeah, but back to what I interesting connection there to me, like the whole idea of talking animals yeah, um, is about our connection with the environment and the natural world and how yes. we live in a community of living beings, you yes. know, and... The talking animals in our dreams and in our stories yes. are there to remind us of that and right. how we are all connected and how there is this, um, that we're not the only ones that matter on this That's planet, right. really. That's right. You know, you know in, the, in the, um, the Torah or the Old Testament. Speaking um, of animals. <laughs> an animal came to see you. One leapt in my lap just now. Um, that the animals in this mythology are created before the human, and then it's all of the attributes of the animals within the human. And I think yeah, that's, that's cool. really cool because you can recognize, you know, if you say to your kid, don't badger me, <laughs> <laughs> you mean it. <laughs> Stop monkeying around. Stop monkeying around. <laughs> so, yeah, and in keeping with our, our running theme right now of Grateful Dead music, um, do you know the song The Monkey and the Engineer? No. No, oh really? I'm not really that familiar with the dead, but okay. I can take a guess at kind of the back what it might mean just in the name. Okay, but well, why don't you give me your take. Once upon a time, there was an engineer drove a mo locomotive both far and near, da, 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 da. Like watching Jones. everything the engineer would do. Right, well, it's a similar train theme, uh -huh. but different message. But uh, so the song goes that that from watching the engineer, the monkey was able to drive the you know the train line down the line you know so that's fun <laughs> and what happens uh, sure there's some kind of moral uh-oh speaking of animals getting kitties knocking something. something down um what does happen watching everything because the monkey's got the locomotive under control 
big locomotive right on by. <laughs> so it so it turns out to be fine. Okay. Because a monkey has it under control. I'm envisioning uh, you know, locomotive out of control with like Curious George behind. Right, the, yeah, uh, Curious controls. George could could maybe cause up some trouble, some mischief. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean monkeys because they're so close to us in a lot of ways, like I yeah, think we primates. tend to anthropomorphize them more. Yeah. But uh yeah, they generally do indicate mischief in a lot of mythologies. Yes. But yes. I don't know a lot about Hindu mythology, but Hanuman is like a big mm. deal in India. Um, and I know he features like prominently in the... Hanuman, that's not elephant. The monkey god. That's the monkey yeah, god. Okay. Ganesh is the Ganesh elephant. Ganesh is the elephant. Um, yes. But Hanuman is like a big player in the... What is it? The, the major epic um, battle... That Krishna features in okay. Hamabharata. I'm, I'm probably messing the name I'm up. I'm not sure, but okay. But he's like, you know, a hero in some ways, actually. Okay. And he's pretty well honored in Indonesia. Nice. Like you find a lot of Hanuman masks and nice. stuff. Nice. Wonderful. Yeah. So I'm um, trying to think of what other animal totems have shown themselves. I think bear. I've had a number of dreams about bear. Yeah, I've had bears come up, too. Yeah. It's funny, there's a connection with the dead and the bears. Oh, yes, obviously. the dancing bears. <laughs> what do you it's think true. that's about? Oh, I don't know. I mean, but I, I think about bear as it's written about in um, the medicine cards, David Carlson. And, um, and they talk about the bear being like the medicine person, like the medicine woman, hmm. the one who lives... Who can like identify from the roots, which are the good healing roots to ingest, and um, so I think of bear in in with healing very much. What what do you make of it? Um, yeah, bears are really layered. Um, I was gifted a bear skull um, by a friend of mine. Uh, well, actually, a former lover of mine, she went out west and she purchased a bear skull from some Native Americans, and I still have it. So it, I've always been pretty conscious of the spirit of that animal yes. um, being with me. And it's an interesting story. I had a friend of mine who's psychically sensitive, like who I was staying in a cabin for a little while at one point, and um, I had that bear skull with me in there. And this person, like, was wandering around the forest in the vicinity of that cabin at night. Mm. And um, she's very psychically sensitive and sees things. And when she was near there, she saw a bear. <laughs> wow. Like, a great white bear, spirit bear. Beautiful. And she came to me later, and she's like, what the hell, dude? What was that bear, like, outside of your cabin? Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's and there's definitely like a guardian yeah. spirit I associate with that. Um yes. I've had bears come to me in my dreams. Yes. I only with within the last ten years have had a number of encounters with them close up. Yes. Like in real life. Yes, yes. But then they have come to me in my dreams. Um bears are associated with Artemis. Uh the name okay. Artemis in Greek is related to the word for bear. Oh. Um, as is the name Arthur. Oh, um, interesting. Arcturus is actually, yeah, so, so if King a Arthur fighter, a fighter. is a bear. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, definitely they were associated with warrior strength. Yes. But wisdom. They're not necessarily okay. like, you know, uh, kill them all and let God right. sort them out sort yeah, of creatures. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are... They will defend their young. Yes. And that's what I think of the mother yes. okay. aspect yes. of bear is huge. Yes. And that oh, yes. is associated with Artemis as well. I uh, think that teaches us humans, you know, what the priority should be. Yeah. Your cubs. Yep. You know, that's not necessarily so obvious to us convoluted humans who maybe have a lot on our plates, you know, but the animals, it's very clear too. I also really think a lot about um, was in Laco uh, where the cave paintings are 
in okay. France. Yeah. There are shrines within those caves to cave bears where oh. the primitive people were collecting cave bear skulls and bones wow. and arranged them, you know, in a obviously ritualistic um way to, you know, that seemed to be like enshrining them. So bears were extremely significant to the Paleolithic people. Yes. As a uh some sort of spiritual maybe ancestor or clan totem. Wow, I love I don't it. Know what you well want to it's call it. there was a there was a very famous book from decades ago, The Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I read that when I was a teenager and I love that book. Yes. I believe I also read it when I was a teenager. I'd be interested to read it again and yeah. see if it's like that special to me now, all these decades later. Yeah. Had I had a daughter, I probably would have named her Ayla. Oh, beautiful. I love it. I love it. Which apparently in Hebrew means oak tree. Does it? I found out. Yeah. I don't know if that was I know conscious an, on the part of the author. I know an Ayla. And I, but I think that's, that's her name. I used to work out at the gym with her. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful name. It connotes an image of a strong woman. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I think, uh, what was the movie? Um, the 13th Warrior. Um, kind of, a, you know, in some ways you could think of it as a cheesy film, but it's uh, a retelling of the Beowulf story. Oh. And, uh. The name Beowulf actually means bear as well. Really? I uh, did not know that. Because it means wolf. Okay. Yeah, so that's a bee wolf is a bear. Oh. Um, yep. Because they hunt out honey. Wow. <gasps> I love it. But uh, in that retelling, uh, they made it so that the Beowulf character, they're actually encountering not a monster, Grendel, Yes. But there is a tribe of people living up in the hills oh. and the mountains and the caves that are involved in bear worship. Okay. And their warriors go forth in bear, bear skins, skins yes. and have the claws. So they I love you know, it. look like men transformed into bears. Yeah, yeah. And they're basically mother goddess worshippers because they you know, they at some point find um, one of the warriors is carrying this like Venus of Widendorf type oh, carving. Right. Wow. So when they go to slay Grendel's mother, quote unquote, they um, go into the caves and they confront the high priestess of the tribe. Okay. Who is also like got this whole animal thing going on and has these claws dipped in poison, which she oh. ends up scratching the Beowulf character who is something oh. called Bullfide in this version. Okay. Um, and, you know, that is what ends up killing him. But, wow. You know, but That's he does cool. slay her. So what, what culture is Beowulf from? Um, Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, okay. it's, uh, the Beowulf saga was the very first, I guess you could say, English language, but this being Anglo-Saxon language, yes. um, epic story. Okay. Um, which was written down much later than it was originated. And uh, it's it's a long poem. Yes, um, yes. There's a lot of translations of it out there. Yes. Um, Seamus, I can't remember his last name. Shoot. I'll have to look it up. Uh, there was a translation of it that came out recently that's very good. Okay. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was very inspired by it. Wonderful. He's an actually, and that just reminded me, he's got a main character in um, The Hobbit who is... Uh, named Bjorn. Oh yeah, Bjorn. I remember bear. Bjorn. Oh, he's the big. He's the big guy like, who Irish turns guy into a bear or something. Yeah, I love Bjorn. He's a bear lycanthrope, basically. Yeah. Who raises bees and uh, wow. is totally like communicating with all the animals. Yes. In the area and is the guardian of the animals and befriends the bees and everything yes. else. Yes. And he's a vegetarian. Isn't he married? Notably. to. A, a really lovely, You're powerful woman. You're thinking of Tom Bombadil. I think we did. We talk. I think I talked about this with Lee because I had all my stories crossed. So Tom Bombadil. Yeah, Tom Bombadil is kind of, um, 
hard to, I mean, he's hard to pin down. He shows up in Lord of the Rings right. in the beginning. And people are have been debating for years what the meaning of him is and how he even fits into Tolkien's mythology. Okay. But some people speculated that he's sort of like a pan. Okay, being, yes. But he's supposed to be like older than the ants, so he's been around wow. since the beginning. I didn't of realize time. Tom Bombadil was older than the ants. Yeah. That's and Goldberry, ancient. who is his wife, yes, is that the river is, daughter. That is her name, Goldberry. Yeah, so she's a water elemental, basically. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, but yeah, he's quixotical. He doesn't really fit neatly into yeah. the rest of the story in a lot of ways. So. Okay. Interesting. So one character. of a kind. He yeah. allows us all our indi in individualism. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tom Bombadil is totally an individual. He's like, some people actually speculated that he was like a manifestation of Ulavatar, who is Tolkien's like high god. Oh. Who's like, you know, essentially, you know, god with a capital G. Is this like Gandalf superior? Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He would be everybody's spirit. Okay. Gandalf is considered to be of a class of beings called the Maya. Okay. Who is, okay. they are demigods, basically. Okay. Ah, and we're Sauron about... is actually also a Maya. Wow. And so are the uh, the Balrog. They're fallen spirits. Oh, really? So really Gandalf is basically confronting his shadow. Yes. In that whole scene. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love all of these mythological stories. They're so meaningful, you know. Yeah. yeah um, what was I going to say? Oh, Phelan. Phelan's name is a Gaelic name, and it means wolf. Yeah. I love that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Lev, my other little boy, uh, his name is interpreted as lion. Oh, interesting. Like Leo. Uh-huh. Lev, Tolstoy, lion. And... um. And so I have a wolf and a lion to protect me. <laughs> and what does Jessica mean, or does it mean? You know, anything? I've read like Jessica means wealthy, I think, and that's very true. I felt very grateful for the wealth that is in my life. Of, of you have a middle the, name? Do I have a middle name? Yeah. Marlo. What does Marlo mean? Does it mean? Anything? Oh, it was my mom is like Marlo Thomas. Mm -hmm. In the 70s, free to be you and me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was a nod to her, I believe. <laughs> but, I'm curious now if the name means anything. Marlo? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's Google it. we got a phone. Okay. I'm okay, curious. I will do this as I am very slow. Yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of common names, though, are actually animal names. My son, Lucas, um, originally we were going to name him Gavin, which yeah, ended up being right. his middle I name. Yeah, I remember that. And Gavin means white hawk. Wow. Um, which is also where the name Gawain derives from. So in Arthurian okay, legends, neat. Gawain is neat. I didn't sort know that. of a hawk. Um, what does? My name, Brendan, in Old Irish means either black crow or raven, depending on how you oh, look at it. Oh, I love that. So I love I, that. People, anybody who knows me who has ever seen any of my online Yes. Presences in my social media. Yes. Knows that I'm a raven lunatic. Yeah. So <laughs> I love I, it. It's yeah, a good I'm one. Pretty, you know, very much been influenced by that. And that was something that didn't come to me until like probably I was a teenager. But uh, I've got a long association with, you know, and I'm not going to use the term spirit animal, but okay. I've got a strong okay. association with ravens and crows and had yes. a connection with them for years. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they don't necessarily come to me in dreams that often, but okay. when they do, it's they're definitely powerful yeah, dreams. Yeah, I definitely see your connection with crow or raven. Yeah. I think I, I mean, send you anything I come across in the meme land of Facebook. Yeah, there's a lot of cute ones. Yes. So I found it. So the name Marlo means lake remains. Lake woman? Lake remains interesting and is of <clears throat> English origin. Marlowe is a name that's been used by parents who are considering baby names for girls. Okay, <laughs> well, that's a dumb thing to write. Um, yeah, so lake, a nymph, maybe. Uh huh. Uh, I'm water spirit. I'm deciding. 
<laughs> oh, I love that. Tipping the water. <clears throat> it's funny, though, like what you're saying about like you're being protected by, you know, all these animal protectors. Yes. I went to go visit. Um, I arranged a meeting between a couple of different friends of mine because two of the people who are a couple um, were are in a place where they needed some healing. And there mm. are these other two individuals I know who I thought would be really good to, to help them. Okay. So I facilitated this meeting of them and the names of the people are actually Fox and Raven. My goodness. And then I introduced them <clears throat> to a person named Hawks and another person whose second name is Wolf. Oh my gosh. So, I love so it. So it was like, here I, I am it. surrounded by a, a menagerie, basically. Your own, like, your own Bremen Town musicians. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. And yeah. what, what came out of that? Um, you know, I guess I still, it's a wait and see at this point, but I think, you know, I think it was a good call. Like, I did that based on my intuition because I thought it would be a good connection yeah. for those people. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a work in progress. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see what comes out of it, I think. Really cool. But I think it's a good thing. You know, the um, two people who I consider to be elders were very good at imparting some pretty basic wisdom. Wonderful. To, yeah, to get, you know, try to help my friends recenter. Very good. Yeah, it's very important to have wise mentors in our lives. That's for darn sure. Yeah. I tell I tell my older son, you know, I feel like the best thing I ever did for him as his mom was get him Rich Schwab as a mentor. Oh, yeah. You know, was when I hooked them up as mentor-mentee, Phelan was maybe, gosh, he must have been like somewhere between 10 and 14. He was like a young guy. And kid and um and and they're still friends today. So that's it's, great. It's good that I was able to do that one thing. <laughs> I was thinking about him actually in connection with the talk about animals because he's oh. got that search engine. That yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to talk called? to him do you about. Remember? It. Oh, um, I don't remember what the name of it is, but I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. We'll have to follow up and find that out. Yeah, and right. Post it out to your listeners. But I'm um, glad to do that. He built a search engine that literally will search through a whole encyclopedic catalog of world mythologies yes. for symbols. Yes, yes. And it would be great for researching dream symbology because yes. you know you know, he got an animal in your dream yes you plug it into a search engine and I it will it. pull up all these different myths and legends that make a mention of that animal and that's what we would consider the collective unconscious yeah or what the, young would have called yeah 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 that um you know what what joins us all with each other is our collective yeah, I think, you know, the idea of the anima mundi or the world soul yeah. like, is very much connected to that idea of the, you know, imaginal realm where animals can talk. Yes, yes, yeah. So I keep thinking, I might have even mentioned this, uh, Dr. Doolittle. I can't oh, wait yeah. to see that new Robert Downey Jr. movie, Dr. Doolittle. So, um, Looks entertaining. Yeah, I like him as an actor. I think he's really good. So um, that that's on my on my to do list in the near time future. So um, well, thank you so much, Brendan. So, do you have any parting wisdom to share with me and our listeners? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, no pressure. No, um, I mean, just in line with what we're talking about, that we can embody all the attributes of the animals. You know, that that's, that's a yeah, huge thing be, to me. I think one thing that's been on my mind a lot in general lately is the idea of trying to be fully present. And for me, I think a big part of that is, and that's because I tend to be a pretty heady person, um, the idea of trying to get rooted back into your physical body, um, which very much connects us with our own animal nature, you know, our... yes. Friend of mine said yeah. recently to me, like, we are not humans. We have a human. Yes. So we have a human body. Um, yeah. Mary um, Oliver, the poet, had written, 
just like the soft animal of your body. Oh yeah, that's yeah. lovely. It's just lovely, just lovely. Yeah, that that you know, and that automatically brings to mind the cat aspect. Oh like, yes, cats are so at home in their body is yes. just the way they move. And yes, yes. There's not a moment I think where they are like thinking about the future or the past or anything. They are fully planted yes. in the here and now, like in in their bodies. And, and they're so smartly built. So as as wide as the whiskers are, is as wide as the body gets. Yep. So a kitty can tell if it's a big enough space to fit through. Yep. But similarly, then their tail is for balance. So uh, many, many years ago, I lived in Colorado, and my little kitty, Althea, had the tip of her tail bit off oh, no. by a local dog named Star. And um, she had the worst balance after that. You know, she would go to jump up on the counter to get the food, and she'd, you know, crash into it and fall down and have to do it again. And then she'd go, yeah. I meant to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Save face. But it really was extraordinary how how much they rely on. It's like their little rudder or something, you know, in the yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, definitely we could all learn to be more centered and balanced and fully embodied and present. And that's yes. something animals do second nature that we can all learn from. Yes. And we can stop separating ourselves from the world and every other sentient being in the world, you know, me other than the other. And I think maybe the reason we personify the animal's gifts is because we're not claiming those gifts within ourselves. So yeah. we have to make them then talk, you know, but actually I believe there's many other ways that we can receive the wisdom of the animals. It doesn't have to be through speech. Yeah. yeah. That's very anthropomorphic speaking. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, thank you again. And yeah, thanks so for the opportunity. Are you going to try to incubate a New Year's dream or it just doesn't mean that much to you? Um. Uh, let me think about that. I mean, I, you know, been trying to get back to focusing on kind of doing things like making to-do lists and prioritizing okay. and, you know, sorting through what it is that I need to be doing. So that might yes. probably be part of it. Yes, yes. That's the Virgo in you. <laughs> yeah, that's mental organization. Yeah. Thing. I always say in jest, but it's nothing much funny about it. I have no Virgo in my chart. Huh. And this is a problem for me. This is why I have trouble organizing, you know, especially the male. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so, and now what animal is Libra associated with? You know, I don't know if there's an animal association. It's kind of like okay. more associated with balance, but. Um, yeah, the scales. Yeah, I mean, Venus is the ruling planet, so I think Venus is associated with doves often. Okay, okay. But, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Venus is also a love goddess, so, I mean, there's yes. that cat association there. Yeah, right? Freya yes. is essentially the same yes. Yes. goddess in the Norse mythology. Wow. And she's got a chariot with cats. Really? Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to find some of those stories. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that mythology. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brendan. Yeah, thank and, you. You know, we'll follow up with some of the more specific answers that we were questioning. Okay, great. And listeners, thank you for joining us in our exploration of dreams and totem animals. And I hope you enjoyed it. Until we meet again.